Hello, and welcome to On a Mission Podcast, where we aim to inspire and educate through sharing stories and experiences in the real estate industry. It's hosted by Dina Frank, a licensed realtor in the state of Minnesota at Remax Results, a Good Life Group, and Kelly Tanky, loan originator, NMLS 1599804 at Summit Mortgage Corporation, NMLS 1041. We started this podcast so we could share real stories from real people on their experiences in the real estate industry and break down barriers. We hope that by sharing these stories and experiences, it helps you feel more confident and comfortable when it comes to buying or selling. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, enjoy. And now let's get to this week's episode. Coming to you live from the greater Minneapolis area, it's the latest episode of On a Mission, and today we're going to talk about after your offer gets accepted, what happens? We get a lot of questions, and we know it's a rush, so we thought we would dive in deep. Let's hit it! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. We need, like, maybe I'll put some music effects in. I need to, I need to yes. do more of that. Well, you know, throughout all of this uh, stay-at-home, shelter-in-place, I have been um, exploring my genre of music options on Pandora, and Jack Jams has been one of them. I love Jack Jams. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not embarrassed to admit it either. Like, no. I think it's great music. It's, it's nostalgic for me. It takes me back to a more simpler time of life (laughs) middle school (laughs) and you know elementary school um yeah it was probably like fourth and fifth grade when it was like yeah because it was yeah yeah that's probably about right yeah i remember Uh, going to the skating rink to listening to dark jams oh yeah i feel like it was in the era of you know, the, when they would sell CDs on TV and like the, the CD clubs, you know, where you'd get like yeah. 10 CDs for one penny and then you'd oh, be yeah. auto shipped like one CD for like $27. And you're like, how am I supposed to pay for that? <laughs> I thought it was just a penny. <laughs> Which That's... bait and switch, man. Bait oh, and switch. God oh, dang it. No wonder those companies aren't around anymore, huh? God, I remember I was so excited when I got those 10 CDs. And then my mom's like, this is not going to end well. And of course, like, you know, they make it impossible to cancel. It's like, you have to call when the moon is full and the, what you know, like at the very right temperature at a certain time of day. It's all kind of crazy stuff. But anyways, that's not, oh my we're gosh, not going to talk about jams, but maybe we'll do a, I mean, I'll maybe try to like jump skills on this because I have never inserted music into this yet, but I think I can figure it out. I'll leave it all up to you that the, all of that editing and stuff. No, thank you. It's, it's not, I should learn. I should, but it's not too bad. So we'll, I'll work on that, but yes, getting back (laughs) to today's subject at hand, you know, we've talked about, so last week we talked about you know, the initial, like, we want to buy a house, what do we need to do to get pre-approved? And I kind of went through 
you know, the documentation that isn't necessarily related to a particular house, mm-hmm. which is a lot of like what yours was too. It's like, okay, yep. we're not looking at a particular house yet. We're just getting ready. So once you find that particular house and you submit an offer and we've, the reason why we're not going to cover the actual offer process is because we actually talked about that in season one. And mm-hmm. I meant to look up the episode and totally forgot. So let me just do a little <laughs> digging. Um, but once your offer has been submitted and accepted, there's kind of a a list of things that people need to do. And I think sometimes, you know, it all happens so quickly that it's like, oh my gosh, like this is just such a whirlwind. What do I need to do? So we thought, why don't we just go ahead and tackle that? Let's, let's set out what to expect in that, in that process after you've found a home and, um, offer has been accepted. So yeah. And um, I just looked it up real quick. Um, the one where we talk about making an offer is episode four. Oh my gosh. Which, Oh, I just totally kidding. forgot to mention this. We, uh, last week was episode 50. Oh my god! So we published episode 50 last week or like it was yesterday because we record yeah. on Thursdays. We release on Wednesdays. But we've been at this for, so next week, it'll be a year. I know. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. crazy and fun. Very fun. Always a blast. Wanted Hmm. to mention that, so. That's good. Maybe we should do something for that, Dina. Maybe we should do something. We'll think of something. We will. Especially, (laughs) you know, as we hit these big milestones and we know people are, you know, stuck at home and all of that. We want to, we definitely want to do something for, for all of you uh, yeah. listeners out there. All you cool cats and kittens. All you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> all right. All we right. promise that we are, we have some important stuff to share with you for this episode and we're getting at it. We are. So. Let them know, Dina, what comes once their offer is accepted? What's the uh, sequ- sequential order on your side? Because you, it's, it all starts with you on your end as the real estate agent. And then there is a point where the baton is passed, the proverbial baton is yep. passed on over um, to my side on the financing. And there's a little bit of in between, right? Like, you know, obviously prior to the offer being accepted, I'm running numbers on that specific home, what the, what the purchase price is that you guys want to go in at, um, pulling the specific property taxes for that particular subject property, um, and then estimating what the homeowner's insurance is going to be too. So we're, we're putting numbers all together, um, but there's this, there's this time frame of which you guys are specifically working side by side together. And so let's dive in. All right. Yeah. So, so how it kind of goes is once an offer is accepted, then based on some of the specifics in the offer, we're working on a particular timeline. So to make it simple, I'm just going to say 10 days because that's kind of the standard. And especially now with everything going on, um, that's pretty common these days. So from the day your offer gets accepted, the clock starts the following day. So It's the first full day of the, we call it an executed contract. So that means all parties have signed and everybody's aware, you know, everybody's agreed and come to terms on 
the, on the contract. So yeah. it starts the next day where for the first one is earnest money. So mm -hmm. we did kind of dig into earnest money, um, back in that episode. And actually I had a memory yesterday from your mortgage motivation where we talk about earnest money. So to kind nice. of recap that real quick, earnest money is kind of your skin in the game. And what it is, is it's showing the seller that you're serious about the property. And, you know, if for some reason, let's say, you know, a couple of weeks before you close, you kind of just say, you know what, like, I don't want to buy this house anymore. Then the seller gets to keep that money because they lost time on market. They lost interest, you know, yeah. all that, just all that momentum kind of goes away. So, but when you go to purchase the house at closing, that money does go towards your down payment. So it's not like you just lose it all together. Right. It, it's held in an escrow <clears throat> account for the closing. So that's I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's important to note um, that, you know, that's, that's being deducted from what your overall cash to close is. And I really try to, on my end, prior to all of, you know, what we're talking about right now, prior to even going out and looking at homes, I'm going over that estimated cash to close worksheet and then also implementing the conversation of, okay, well, you're going to have your earnest money and you know it's that that amount is dependent on you know what you and your real estate agent discuss yeah. as having skin in the game but then you know let's let's throw in potential seller paid closing costs that's all dependent on how the market is and um if you feel that that's that's uh something to ask of the sellers yeah <laughs> Yeah, if it's, you know, if the house has been on the market for six hours or a day and you're asking for seller paid closing costs, there's a good chance that you're not going to get the property, but that's a whole nother conversation and we can dive yeah. into that at another time. But sure. yeah, the one, the reason why I bring up the earnest money is so to your point, you know, in Minnesota, it's fairly standard that the earnest money amount is 1%. So it's 1% of the purchase price but it can vary. So if there's a house that's been on the market for a long time, you know, maybe it's at a higher price point, you can definitely, you know, you can definitely put less down in earnest money. Um, or sometimes, you know, with the hotter, like lower price point properties, they re they require 1.5%. So, and mm -hmm. uh, me as the realtor is going to guide you in that. So just kind of keep that in mind. But the reason why I bring it up is because once your offer has been accepted, we need to get that money to the other brokerage in three days. That's mm -hmm. our time limit. So we typically use a digital platform or online platform. It's called trust funds. So mm -hmm. I get all of that set up, ready to go, send over to you with my secret word so that you can enter that in. And that's just kind of a way to verify that you are my client and you should be paying this money. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you just, you know, do your checking routing and it all gets digitally done. It's held in a escrow account at the other, at the listing agents brokerage. Um, but that money does come out of your account. Okay. So you yeah. have to have the money in your bank account. <clears throat> and like I said, that's three days. So that's kind of the first thing. And then the second thing, what I was talking about the 10 days is the inspection period. So typically we negotiate in the number of days that we're going to ask for an inspection. 
10 days I feel like is a comfortable time frame. Um, we've been seeing a little bit longer right now just because of everything that's been going on, but I wouldn't get too used to that. So working off of 10 days, I'll send you, you know, typically my clients are asking me, well, who do you recommend for an inspector? So I'll send, you know, two or three names of inspectors that I've worked with consistently before. Yeah. Um, and then it's your responsibility as a client to reach out to them because they're actually working for you. Like the inspector is not working for me. The inspector is working on behalf of our mutual client. So kind of another team member that comes in and they're just going over to check all the major systems of the home, you know, the roof, the foundation, you know, appliances, make sure they work, electrical, plumbing, kind of all the major components that is just kind of information for you to know and for you to understand about the home. So the inspector will set it up. They have access to the showing time app just like we do. So there's no like third party um, coordination. I know a lot of times my client is like, okay, well, how do we get this set up? You know, like you just tell the inspector hey, we have X amount of days, you know, our, we have 10 days, um, you know, here, here's all the inspections I want done. So typically standard an inspection is what I just went over, but you can also get a radon test. That's really popular, um, especially if you have a basement and you're going to have, either it's finished or you're going to finish it and you're going to be spending a lot of time down there. I always recommend radon. But that test alone takes three days. So it's important to tell them ahead of time because then they can get it set up either three days before they do the inspection or if you're able to get them within the first couple of days of the inspection, then they can set it up when they get there and then go back and pick it up. So yeah. that's just kind of a little like nice to know. And then, you know, depending on when that radon test is done and comes back <clears throat> and we get the results, like that's kind of when we start negotiating the inspection um, results and requests. So if you have 10 days, you know, I like to see an inspection get done within the first like three to five days, because then that gives us a day to look at the report. Cause you'll get this inspection report. They're typically, you know, 30 to 40 pages long. So it's a lot of information Yeah, and, and they always highlight, you know, there's always like a one page review of like, here are the kind of the, the, the issues that I saw that, you know, you probably want to ask for. And, and the inspector won't tell you like, you should ask for this. They're just going to call out like the highest risk things to ask for. Um, or which then I take and say, yeah, that's pretty, pretty serious. Um, we should ask for that or, oh, that's an easy fix. And even though it's, you know, rated high, it doesn't require a professional or anything like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but so then we have like a day to look over the report and then we have a couple of days to negotiate it. So once all of that is done, then that's kind of when a, that's when the property will go to pending as long as there's no other like contingencies, which could be if it's a short sale, you know, third party approval from the bank. Um, if you've got, you know, septic and well, and that's not included in the same timeline, like then it could go contingent on that, um, contingent on the sale of your property. If you're selling a property in order to buy this property, if none of those are the case, then it will go to pending. And that's where kind of the baton does get handed off. So I kind of, I, 
you know, I let Kelly know, hey, we had the inspection, everything went well, we're moving forward, and you can go ahead and order the appraisal. So, yep. and I think before we like totally jump into that, there's the inspection and the appraisal are two different things. Yes, thank the you. <laughs> yeah, the inspection is actually for the homeowner or the per person who's going to be purchasing the home. So mm -hmm. just kind of keep that in mind that, and, you, and you'll be paying for both of these. You know, you'll be paying for the mm -hmm. inspection and you'll be paying for the appraisal, but the appraisal is really for the lender and for the bank to yep. say, hey, this home is, is good to go. So do you want to yep. hop into what happens from then on out? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So while all of this is happening, I do receive the, the executed purchase agreement or PA. There's a couple different terms for it. So let's just say the purchase agreement in this case. Um, I, as the lender, receive that on my end. And that's when I start working in my loan operating system. I put the property or the subject property into our loan operating system, which triggers a full application. So why this is important is because once we receive a full application, um, it triggers us to then within three days have to send off initial disclosures, okay? In between that is obviously this, all of the stuff that Dina was talking about that's happening, and then she passes the proverbial baton and says, okay, we can order the appraisal. And um, well, sometimes the appraisal will be ordered before we've locked in the interest rate, before the initial disclosures have been sent out, um, sometimes after. So um, appraisal is ordered, and this is something that's really important because it's going to obviously tell us as a lender, what is the value of the home? What's the true value of the home? Does it, does it match what is um, in the executed purchase agreement? Is it coming in higher than the executed purchase agreement? Is it coming in lower than the executed purchase agreement? More oftentimes than not, it's coming in at value or above um, that, that specific offer on the home. So we don't need to go into the details of that. Yeah. <laughs> that can be for, for another episode here in the future. Um, as a matter of fact, I think that we did at one point talk about what that looks like in one of our previous episodes. So. Sorry, there's a train going by, so Willow's barking. <laughs> Love it. Don't mind the background noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, we did so, talk about that in a previous episode as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the difference between an appraisal and an inspection. Um, we went into a, a little bit of a dive into that one. So what are the initial disclosures, though? The initial disclosures are how we have everything currently set up in our operating system for you as the borrower or borrowers. Um, if you have decided to lock in your interest rate, then we move forward with the initial disclosures and there aren't any other docs until we um, go through underwriting and our closer and title closer go back and forth balancing out their worksheets and then you are sent your closing disclosure that will be for another episode also <laughs> but in between you've got your initial disclosures and this is just giving you um as the borrower the best idea of what to expect moving forward through underwriting um, if your rate is locked in then we know what your um, monthly payment is going to look like we'll still have to get what the true value of property taxes and homeowners insurance are. 
Um, and that's all this, you know, figured out in the midst of the underwriting process and getting the title commitment from the title that we are using for the closing. Um, but it's giving you the best idea and knowledge of what to expect for your fees, for um, your cash to close, and what your monthly payment is going to look like. So it's our like commitment to you of like, here's what to expect on our side as the lender and to you as the um, borrower and or co-borrowers. So easiest and simplest way to put it, and this is something that is either electronically signed, um, more oftentimes than not, it's electronically signed because that's just the easiest and simplest way, um, or it's mailed to you and you wet okay. sign everything too. So yeah, I don't know if there's much more I can dive into on that side, but that's the easiest and simplest way to explain from start to finish once the offer is accepted, you know, how, how everything transitions on the real estate side and then over onto the financing side. Nice. Yeah. Yours is, well, you were just a lot more concise, I think, than I was. So that's probably what it mm. comes down to. <laughs> maybe, maybe not though. I think it's just, you know, that's until we actually get into, to, into underwriting, it's, that's when things start to kind of shape and form. And there's a lot more moving pieces with that. But, you know, in that in between, that's, there's kind of a little bit of a, um, a waiting period you know, until we receive the appraisal back and we're collecting what other remaining documents we can. Um, so that's that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And I think it's, I think, you know, hopefully this was helpful and it explains like it kind of, it gives, you know, you as the listener and client, like time to kind of process it and prepare like, yeah. okay, here's what I'll need, you know, money wise. And here's what I'll need timeline wise. And you know, I know people say like looking for a house can feel like it's a second full-time job, but mm -hmm. I really think it starts to get intense once you like actually have an offer accepted, right? Because it is like, yeah. okay, like I have, you know, you start to come up against deadlines, whereas until you find a house, it's like, well, if we can find a house, that's great. Yeah. So it's just kind of, we, and I just know, you know, I've had so many clients that it's like, okay, if you have a really demanding job, like it can be a lot and we just want yeah. to make sure that people are prepared for that. So yeah, yeah, you got it. Cool. Hmm. I think that, you know what, actually I apologize. There's one other thing that I wanted to add because I mentioned, um, that there could be one other piece of documentation that would be signed um, in conjunction with the initial disclosures. So if there, so let's, I'm just going to give an example of one of the clients that Dina and I are currently working with right now that had an offer accepted. Gosh, what was it? A few weeks ago, right? Like three weeks ago. Yeah. Three weeks ago, closing in the middle part of June. So this is one of those prime examples of um, us, not wanting to necessarily in the rate quite yet because it's not in the borrower and co-borrower's best interest money-wise it's not so we are currently floating their interest rate they have their initial disclosures that they've signed off on but once we get to a point where um, the number of days makes sense for them to lock in then they will be sent what's called a change of circumstance because the the rate that they had prior 
while they've been floating is going to change once they actually do lock in the interest rate, which is going to adjust numbers and prompts in our system to have to push out a change of circumstance um, disclosure to be signed off on. So I just wanted to add in that as well because Perfect. it can get kind of confusing like, well, wait, we did sign something before. What is this now? This is just an, another explanation of, okay, the terms of your loan have adjusted um, with the interest rate, which has adjusted your monthly payment. And so we want, we by law are required to send over a change of circumstance form for you. And that could that, could you get a change of circumstance? Like if the closing date changed for, for a reason, like let's say, you know, in this particular case, like we are closing mid June, but if they said, well, actually we can close two weeks earlier, like would that initiate the same change of circumstance because of the closing date? Um, I want to say that it is, or is it just gosh. rate specific? It has to do with, um, lock and pricing. Got it. Okay. Um, not necessarily date changes. Okay. So lock and pricing appraisal, um, loan amount changing or their program changing is going to trigger a change of circumstance disclosure package. Okay. Perfect. Well, that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Good thing I've got my loan operating system in front of me and Good I know you like pull it right up. Right. In the back of my head, like I know the answers. I'm like, let me just double check on that though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's one of those things where you're so used to it that you just know when it gets sent out, but yeah. it's innate. Yep. And then you're not always like, oh yeah, like in this specific scenario. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's a really, that's a really great question. And, um, a good, a good thing for, I, I hate using the word thing, a good note for our listeners to be yes. aware of. Agreed. There we go. There we go. Perfect. That wraps it up. All right. Well, yeah. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to On a Mission, where our goal is to educate and inspire. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us to help spread the message. It takes 30 seconds to rate and review, then share this episode with your friends. Let's spread the love. Until the next episode, cheers to your mission. Bye. Bye.